Restless Midlifer podcast. Get health, weight and life back on your terms. Hi and welcome to episode 77 of the Restless Midlifer. And this week I've got an interview with Mark Telford. Now, for those of you who've been listening for a while, you know that Mark Telford has been on the podcast before. Mark is kind of my go-to fitness expert and somebody that I ask for advice around a number of things, you know, nutrition and fitness. Um, And Mark kindly agreed to come back to uh, the podcast to share with me some insights into some questions that I had around um, nutrition, the importance of protein, um, the importance of resistance training in particular, and and the benefits for women, uh, and sort of just challenging that mis the, the misconceptions around that that some some have around the the the, the dangers I guess the perceived dangers of resistance training for for women and for females, um, and that ties into. Um, the FAQ episode, which was two weeks ago, where I did touch base on that question um, and start to tease that I would be getting people in to ask that question. So Mark gives his, his two penneth, his, his expert opinion, and having worked um, in the fitness industry a lot and worked with a lot of boxing female Olympic boxing hopefuls, um, has a good grounded expertise and experience to give a perspective on that. And what I am going to do is going to get a couple of other guests um, Jen Wilson being one who's a fitness trainer, uh, an advanced fitness trainer that works, specialised in working with menopausal women and the resistance training for the benefits there. So that's something to check out in the future. Um, so th- hopefully you'll find that this interview really insightful. We do explore a few things that could be really hopefully useful in just getting your head around and thinking about it, how you make tweaks to your own uh, activity r- regime and um, f- eating and, and diet kind of approach. What I want to do, uh, because we do focus a bit more on the, the resistance training in this episode, is just give a slight counter to that in, in this particular food thought. Very quickly, kind of get you to think about the the, old, the the other kinds of fitness around the low-impact steady state stuff, the, the walking, the running, the cycling, the, the cardio, as we might typically call it. Um, because, again, it has its place and it's beneficial. Now, we do sing the praises of resistance training, particularly in this episode, um, uh, so it's really useful to, to get that. But one of the things that I want to just pause to you is ask you, do you have a piece of kit, a piece of um, equipment in the house, whether it's an old exercise bike, a treadmill, um, or something like that, elliptical trainer, whatever they call it, you know, those kinds of things that has become a bit of a clothes prop. And, you know, we've, we've probably all been there. I know I've had my fair share of those. I did have a, an old treadmill that I dismantled and put under the desk, the standing desk here, and used it for a while as a, a walking desk. But as a, with a lot of these pieces of equipment, if you're answering yes, um, and you're thinking, where is it? Or what's it buried under? A pile of iron in, that kind of thing. Um, it's to have a think about. Could you resurrect it? Could you bring it back out? I talked about last week about a couple of items that might be in the back of your cupboard, a slow cooker and a, and a soup maker, um, and the benefits of those. Could you resurrect that piece of equipment? Obviously, check that it's working and it's safe and all of that kind of thing. But is there a place, a way that you could bring that piece of equipment back into your routine, but not in a way that perhaps you when you were originally buying it, thought, you know, I'm going to do hours on the treadmill and and what have you. But you bring it back with a view to, um, you know, when when the weather maybe isn't up to to what you're motivating you to go outside and and what have you, where you could perhaps just use it in a smaller way, a sprout-sized way, to do 10 minutes, 20 minutes of walking on the treadmill and getting into what's classed as the zone two heart rate type of training. I'm not going to go into that in any great detail. I'll, I'll 
actually start explore that later in other episodes with an expert on that. But um, the idea of the zone two training is just generally it's that rate that no doubt if you've been you know taking any notice of the health and fitness, it's that you 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 can hold a conversation. But it's a little bit uncomfortable, but you you can still manage your senses. It's that way your heart rate elevates just enough. You maybe get a slight sheen of sweat, um, and sometimes you can calculate it off your heart rate, 180, the Maffetone method, which is 180 beats per minute minus your age. That gives you the rough range. And it's very rough and ready, that, um, in terms of the, the, the heart rate range of zone 2. But the benefits of this, especially coupled with things like resistance training and the movement in, 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 at intensity that Mark talks about. Um, and we, we exchanged a few thoughts on that in, in the interview. Um, the benefits of this is it can generally help your general circulatory and cardiovascular system improve and also add to the, the energy burn, you know, in terms of the energy in and out. And little bouts of that, you know, whether it's 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there, pitch the 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 treadmill up in front of a t- TV or, you know, with a radio or something going, um, something that's manageable or the exercise bike that's manageable can add just add a little bit extra into your day, not just in terms of energy burn, but in terms of health. And really, this is this is for you if you have some sort of um, piece of equipment that's gathering dust, could you bring it out as an experiment and, and, and just see how it might fit back into your day-to-day life in a small way? You know, we're not talking about doing a marathon on it yet or yet or at all, just building it in in some way so that it has some use. And if you don't actually have a piece of equipment, check out Facebook groups or marketplace or, you know, or some other things. They're always going, going cheap, these things, because we've all probably bought them, never used them, and then thought, oh, I need to sell this. So have a think about that. It's a little tip. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the interview and see see what you can sort of glean from that in terms of some actions to take away and build into your day-to-day routines. Take care for now. Great to have you back. Um, Great to be back. Uh, we've had a couple of episodes where well, it was one long interview that we split because there was two real topics last time. Um, and there's a couple of things that um, you shared in the last episode. Well, there's loads I want to ask you about, but there was a couple of things I wanted to pick up because you, we've, we talked about how do we get sort of into healthy habits around eating, particularly when, you know, life's full on, you sometimes just can't be bothered, you know. That's and you get strange. in, you burn out, you want to just, you ring for a kebab or whatever, you know, <clears> that kind of thing. And how, or lunches, you know, how can we potentially prep? So you gave us a couple of great, like, ideas. One was the egg muffins, which was brilliant for me. I mean, I've I've um, gone to town on that, and uh, I think I'm looking for a variety, so you've got a couple of ideas. But what I did was I batched up a load of yeah. egg muffins. Um, and again, just, just for a listener's perspective, if... Um, it, as Mark said in the last episode, you just look up egg muffins. There's simple recipes out there, but I just took some eggs in, beat them up, a bit of bacon, fried it off, some onion, and even peppers. Yeah. Sometimes just to flavour it up, and made a few in a muffin tin, and that was twelve done, job done, great. Yeah, so it was brilliant, spot on. Because you see, as you said, one just one thing to remind. One of the things you said, it's very easy to overeat the carbs. Not the carbs are a bad thing necessarily, but just it's easier to overeat that and less easy to undereat the protein. And and I found that because I did a little experiment in between our last interviews where I actually monitored my calories and put macros, mm-hmm. macros yeah, yeah. for a few weeks, a month or so. And you're right. It's easy enough to take my calories, <laughs> but very easy to do it by carbs and to really, really significantly be under yeah. protein. Not, not you know, not bodybuilding type protein quantities, just normal recommended proteins. It's really easy. It is. It is so, a massive challenge for, for everyone and always the first thing I pick up on any Anyone who I ever do any like nutritional work with, that's always the the kind of crux is 
where's that protein count like like you say the your diet really should be protein fats and some carbs like that's kind of the best way to to eat you know regardless of whether you're a athlete or just a normal human being trying to live mm. but 90% of probably the population is some protein mm. a reasonable amount of fat and a lot of carbs yeah. you know when the, and, and it's trying to find that balance from from what you can do and I'm not saying anyone should be living a paleo or keto diet or anything like that I am more on that fence of trying to eat a well-rounded balanced diet but those proportions, it should be kind of your protein here and your carbs here, whereas just for convenience yeah. as much as anything, most people tend to skew towards the carbs, but you don't you don't even know you're doing it really most yeah. of the time. Yeah. It's yeah. it's just those portions on the plates and stuff like that. It's very easy to create. It doesn't take a lot of carbs to hit the, the amount, whereas it kind of does hit a lot does take a bit of effort to hit the protein amount and so it's that convenience and time and stuff like that that really is a balance yeah yeah and, and it was an education like um, <clears throat> to actually do that and, and I've talked in um, a previous episode with Elaine Hudson but she lost about five stone and then had a at a later time um, had a knee operation was very immobile now mm-hmm. she never calorie counted to, to do five weight five five stone sorry but used it as a tool while she was more inactive and yeah. found that really useful. And I think this is how we can pick those. But but for me, it was a real education on that. And that's where the things like the, the quick, easy egg muffin on a morning is a good way just to bolster it. Yeah, now, it yeah. still needs a little attention to, you know, your other meals, your other meal times if you're, you know, prone to, you know, stacking up on the easier stuff. Um, and again, it's not demonising the carbs. It's just, it's, it seems to be, and it was really rammed home to me when I was monitoring it, just so naturally easy to be on the heavier side of the car because they're just so they're, they're in everything yeah right? pasta rice veg bread yeah. it's like the big killer like you know they're, and it, they're just so readily available and like when you think about it, it takes you 15 minutes to cook a bowl of pasta you yeah. know what i mean yeah. like it takes you uh, 20 minutes to boil some rice so so it's so easy to like you know have a big portion of rice with a with a curry and then if you if you're if you and your partner or your family of three or four whatever it might be how much of that meal is chicken or beef or whatever it might be in that curry or that chili and the protein source relative to how much of that meal is the yeah. carb source because it's like short-term filling and easy so you feel you have the meal you feel full but it's like actually what's your body using and how is your body then access and that and what is it that you've got so you say that people can get bogged down in macros and and get bogged down in the the calories and you know like i say i think what you were saying about your uh, previous guest that the the, is the losing the weight you don't need to use your my fitness pals or whatever it might be but they can help you like you say get on top of an understanding of yeah. What is my diet looking like? You know, I mean, my fitness pal <clears throat> does a really simple job of it puts it in a pie chart, doesn't it? When you yeah, put in yeah. your, <clears throat> so you put in your food for the day, and then you get a pie chart at the end that says, you know, you had seventy percent carbs, twenty five percent fat, whatever. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. It, it, and, and so you kind of get this really easy visual. So, so if you are kind of starting out, <clears throat> it's not necessarily, you know, like for me. 
don't do it every day, but right, have a look at what did you do yesterday, put it in, and it gives you like a picture, do that over like three or four days, that gives you a little sample of what you're doing, and then that sample probably reflects, reflects a general trend, you know, and so you're not having, it's not do it every day, but if you did it, say, five days out of 15 or, or four days out of a two-week period, you're probably painting a reasonable picture of, mm. of what it looks like. And that, to me, is always the key. You want to get the maximum benefit for the least yeah. kind of investment, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're not going to get a trend off one day. Yeah. But, you know, if you say, all right, I'll pick my Saturday. What did I eat on Saturday? Whack that in. And then your Saturday is probably going to be very different to your Wednesday. Mm. So put your Wednesday in. And then the following week, right, your Sunday and then your your Monday. Because we are generally, I feel, like creatures of habit. We do generally follow the same sort of patterns. You know, one thing that I don't know if it was you that I was saying it to, um, but even when we go to the gym together, Everyone has their spot. Yeah, that's like, right. Like, like that's right. Yeah. You all, you always train uh, as the instructor's looking at the back left. Always. Right. Like, you, no one's ever told you to go there. Right. You've never. You, there's not your name on it. You yeah. don't get assigned that spot, but you go and train there. I always train at the front left if it's available. Yeah, yeah. So today I walked in and my spot was taken, and you know. Immediately, I was like, wait, well, where, where do I go? And I was like, I spent the first two minutes just sort of ambling around to a spot where I felt comfortable. And, it, and yeah. um, uh-huh. you know, I mean, we, we always used to laugh at, um, when I worked as a lifeguard at the, the swimming pool, uh, people would use the same changing cubicle. No, I, I, it, we, we, we're like that. Like, I don't know where that comes from in, in, in the human, but there's obviously something there. Um, because, like I say, people would, you know, you come in and you'd sort of maybe think, right, what's the most convenient, the first cubicle on the right? But people don't. People would walk in and they'd pick the fourth one and they'd be in the same cubicle week in, week out to the point where at the swimming pool, people would like walk up and check that someone's actually in there and using their cubicle. It was a bizarre thing, but we do that. So I think, you know, you don't have to look at a, a, a 10 day or a month period to really give an idea of what you do as a person because yeah. you're probably you're probably doing it you could probably pick it over two or three days you know and I think that's something that's quite an in, just quite an interesting um, study of the human yeah. human psyche in some respects yeah. but I've never thought about it like that but that's actually good I mean I monitored it for like continuously yeah and you know for some it it, it, it it works really well. And this is the 100%. point of, you know, just find what works for you. It is. For me, it was an experiment. It took some headspace. Yeah. And it was, it felt like, I could have stuck with it, but it felt like it was something that I couldn't really sustain. But I learned a lot from it. Oh, massively. And I think that's the thing. And then you talk about habits, I think you're absolutely right. It's funny because I'd go off and I'd do my burpees at the other side on a morning before the session yeah, yes. starts. Yeah, yeah. Stretch off with the, the band. But I would feel wrong to do it in that position. Yeah, yeah. Order my little place. But I think isn't that the point about well any of this that you know if we embark and I've done it myself so many times you kind of think right that's the plan that's the approach I'm going to do it. You turn your life upside down, you hold life back whilst you do it. But it's so different that there's such a clash that eventually something's got to give, and yeah. usually life is the one that wins, isn't it? Yeah, the man and maybe and this is this is kind of what I, I, I come to think is that we take those small there's existing habits and make the small tweaks yeah or 
put in a small win, like like the the egg muffin. You know, that, that that's like a no brainer. Yeah, take them out of the freezer the night before, put them in there, get them on the morning with me coffee, or whenever I'm breaking fast, but yeah, yeah, whatever time. But it's done, and it's minimal friction. Yeah, so I like to think about friction. You know, in the habits, if there's if there's just enough friction in a good habit, it won't happen. But if we can reduce the friction and add friction into the bad habits, then yeah, it's a good way. So, yeah. You know, that, that to me is always a thing. It's always, like, you look at the easy win in whatever you're going to do. What's an easy win? I think we talked about it last time. You know, one of the first things that I kind of brought into my life was, like, making me bed. There's various yeah, people yeah. who've talked about it. I yeah. think it comes from the military, and there's yeah. loads of people, you know, over the internet that's like, that's kind of like the starting point. And it's like, so every day I make the bed. It's a small win. It takes about a minute. But it's like, the, I don't necessarily do it when I first wake up. Mm-hmm. I usually let the bed breathe. I'll probably do X, Y, and Z. And then it might be the last thing I do before I leave the house. Mm-hmm. It might be, the, you know, might be the first thing I do when I get out of the shop, whatever it might be. But before, before I leave the house to start my day, mm-hmm. every day that bed gets made. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, that's a little job done. And then you can take it a little bit further, you know, to, right, what's, what else am I going to do today? Right, I'm, I'm, what's another easy win that I can do that's going to help me, help my house, help my life? And, it, and, and you know, it might be a case of tidy your room, which is, another, you know, another thing that's, you know, kind of just a step on that, right? Because part of the, part of the kind of reasoning behind that is humans in general are great procrastinators, and I'm sure you'll have days where you're like, right, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z in the office, and you sit down, and then you're like, right, I'll just start tidying this up, and I'll just start moving that, and then you're like, right, I'm going to... And then before you know it, an hour's passed, and yes, you've got a lovely tidy office, but you haven't done the, yeah. you haven't done the, the thing that you initially kind of set out to do. Whereas if you've gone, right, first thing I'm going to do today, I'm going to tidy this room, and make it so it's ready so that then when you get to that stage right i'm ready to go to work now yeah works there ready to do there's not that little you know stall in it and then you just that becomes a habit that it's now not just making your bed when you leave that bedroom in the morning there's no your, your laundry basket's full or you've taken it down and put it in the washing machine you're um yeah there's no clothes on the floor there's nothing like all the wardrobe drawers are cl- the drawers are all shut and then you've got this like environment you're working and then obviously it's like right okay that's actually only taking you five minutes so you've made your bed you tidied your room it's actually only taking you eight minutes whereas you kind of know and it, and then your, your living room and stuff like that might be even easier to do but if you're working from home it's like that tidying your, your living room when you're kind of thinking oh, i'm going to do x y and z that five minute task becomes a 25 minute task and involving a cup of coffee and then mm. you get back and I, I just think building those those little wins all the time in anything it, it makes like a like a makes everything easier rather than just going boom yeah. I'm gonna do I've got to do everything now yeah. I've got to do everything today I, I think you're right I think and even something like making the bed it's funny because um, I, I, I make a point of doing that um, but after everybody's up and uh, out and kind of just make it, but I feel I feel like something's missing if I don't. Yes, and I think that's the power. I, I, like 
I, I know and, and research yours as being we're habitual creatures. We are routine and ritual based. That's why place, um, cues, visual cues, audio cues, smells, and just time and things like that can trigger us so well. To, for not so good stuff, but also positive. So I think that's a really powerful thing. So making a bed, once it becomes a compulsion almost, you know, and it's a positive, what else can you hook onto it? Because yeah. and this is the thing about the, the you know the healthier eating. So you know that that breakfast. I was speaking to Graham um, Mills, who's, who's been on this week's podcast episode, and he talks about it ritually as we're making coffee. Right. And it takes him a bit of a while, but he loves doing it, and he misses it on days. But when he comes back to it, it's rooted in his day. Yeah. So it's not like efficient. It's not like, you know, time effective, but it roots his day and yeah, grounds yeah. him. And I, and I think around that, once you get some sort of habit like that, what can you build and hook onto them for a simple small habit, whether it's take it outside, get a bit of daylight in your eyes or, or you know, something healthy, what, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, a nice coffee in the morning is lovely. So, yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that egg muffin for me was like... Just brilliant, you know, great, great start. And then you talked about the um, oh, what I was going to ask before we got into that was talk about protein. Why? Why is it so important? Obviously, we underread it, but and they're all important in nutrient wise. But what is it particularly about protein that we're missing if we're not getting that? So, obviously, the the our, our all our muscles are ultimately made out of protein, right? So, the 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 the, the biggest proportion of all our muscle fibers is protein. So. Obviously, just like with any cells in your body, they die and, and they get replaced. And so you have what's called protein synthesis, and that basically ultimately builds muscle, maintains muscle. So anytime that you do exercise, you damage your muscles. Those muscles then need to prepare. So that in a, in a, in a kind of really layman's way of looking at, say, bodybuilding or trying to gain muscle, the kind of a, a really sort of, simple way of kind of vis- visualizing how that process works is this is your muscle fibers here so we've got lots of fibers here that are all joined together when you do muscle that work exercise and stuff like that and you're kind of have felt this if you've ever done it you get that soreness afterwards mm. you want to imagine that all of those muscle fibers have torn slightly so just for the audio because obviously we're doing video on earlier here you, you've got your fingers all interlinked yeah two hands fingers and you're pulling them apart and i'm pulling them apart can, right? and that creates the gap between my fingers yeah right and like i say it's obviously it, it, it's not like this in actuality but this is a kind of yeah, easy way to visualize it so that creates those little gaps which are those little tears so mm. that's that muscle soreness you've probably heard the term doms that's that feeling of walking up the stairs and you're like Oh my god! Yeah. Like, I, I've, I've, walked, I've now got to walk down these later, and I really don't want to. Yeah. And you sit on the toilet, and you just think, "Might have to work from here today." That's <laughs> that. That's that feeling. That's yeah. DOMS, and that's all these little so DOMS is delayed onset muscle soreness. Yeah, that's the one. Delayed yeah. on, and and effectively, that's like all of your muscles have torn, right? But damaged slightly. It sounds so dramatic. Yeah, horrifying. It, it, it does. It does. And then those little gaps, and that muscle that needs to repair itself. In order to do that, it needs the proteins that may help the muscle fibers to repair them and then through protein synthesis and then that brings that muscle back together. And in theory, they fill the gaps a little bit and that's how you get bigger. So obviously that's the extreme view is when you're you're lifting those heavy weights for high volume, you get that big muscle soreness and you, you feel that pump, everything's kind of inflated, all the blood rushes there. And then in theory, that little tear that's, really small 
doesn't quite go back to the same size and right. feels with protein and then you get that. But obviously, if you're not doing weight training, doing running, jogging, walking, even just lifting stuff, if you're working like a manual sort of job, you're doing those those that work and that using that musculature that needs the protein to repair that and repair that that body system. You know everything that every time you do anything, those muscles need repair. So if you if you don't eat the protein, then that body's not getting its repair. Mm. That's kind of the you know at the, at the bottom down level. That's what it's there for. You, but all your muscle function, everything you do, requires that protein yeah, to yeah. keep the, to keep that body working. Your carbohydrates on the other side, as we all know, they're your kind of simple energy stores. So you need energy to do everything. And the easiest access is sugars um, for your like glycogen system, your glycolytic system. And that's that's your easy access. So when you have carbs, you're, they're your easy energy store. But then obviously the pitfall of carbs, too many carbs, is your body can't use them all the time, so it stores them. That's where it tends to store them as fat. Now, again, I'm talking in like you know, the most sort of, there's more, obviously a lot more to it. Yeah, not, but yeah. look at, if you look at it in its most simple sense, and then your fat burning, um, fat oxidation is like your your long-term energy. So when you're doing anything over a prolonged period of time, you, you know, 25 minutes plus of exercise, you're, you're accessing that, those fat stores and burning the fat off. Right. Um, obviously, I think you've talked about it before, like ketosis diet, like keto protocols or the Atkins diet, as it used to kind of be called, is the idea that if you don't take carbohydrates in as a as a as a source for energy, your body's got to find a source elsewhere. So you you've got kind of three main energy systems that your body uses to produce energy. Um, you've got your um, phos- phosphatidic glycolytic system, which is what you use if you're maximal effort. So you're right. like you're like you you're working really hard for like ten seconds, like right. a ten second sprinter. So your body kind of do, uses that and that's generally what get kind of called anaerobic work because you're you're not taking oxygen in to use that system. You're like that's your body you're in bang 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 creating AD, ADP bang 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 do work ten seconds produce exercise. You can only get that through accessing your like blood sugar stores because it needs to be like in, instant. Then you've got your kind of medium term exercise that uses your blood sugar, glycogen, all that sort of that sort of stuff. And it's like that's where your carbs kind of start getting used, using a little bit of oxygen from the outside. But that that takes you through your sort of shorter distances. And then your longer term system, your your aerobic system, where you're using oxygen, your that's when you're sort of accessing your fat stores and stuff like that because you've used all your carbs up right. in that fir- that short fir- the first bit. So your body's got to access, right, what else am I getting? And it breaks down, obviously, your fats and stuff like that. Right. That, that's, that's kind of the idea. But your protein is your repair. Right. You can't recover without protein. And that's just recover from day-to-day life. Mm. You need that, that, that protein source. Mm. Um, and if, if you stew that and don't have that protein source, you're getting the... You're not getting the recovery. You're replacing it with carbs, but because you're not active enough, mm. those carbs turn into your fat stores, and that's how you generally put on the weight. So that's where you want that balance of protein being right. higher than right. being the carbs. If that makes okay. sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So uh, the, the other thing, because when you talk about taking them, uh, enough protein in just for repair and recovery and all of that, um, one of the things I'm obviously interested with the midlifer is, is that um, that we need to be conscious of you know the declining levels of fitness or, or just muscle yeah muscle strength capacity that kind of thing that naturally happens if we don't do anything about yeah. it and you know we have to work hard but obviously many of us um are maybe you know whether we've been active or not as a, a child or a young athlete or whatever there's a time where you chase your profession your family you've got all these commitments and you take your eye off that ball so maybe we're running behind a bit anyway mm-hmm. um and wanting to catch up a little bit in terms of getting back to fitness generally, but also looking at how do we protect what we've got, our strength. Because you talk about the, the, the muscle thing with the fingers interlinked. It It isn't just about muscle size. I mean, no. it's about prevention of injury, yeah, fall, yeah. getting up, yeah. protecting ourselves from midlife and beyond, really, yeah. isn't it? That, that, like preserving what muscle, stre- muscle yeah. we have, and if we can, add to it yeah. through that as well. Um, so we need to be conscious of the protein side. But I, I suppose the other question is, which brings in the question I was going to ask about resistance training thing, because there's a lot of, I guess there's that lot of misunderstandings and association, resistance training, weight training, it's all about building big muscles, yeah. bodybuilding type stuff, but it's not really. I mean, that's one area yeah. aspect of it. But don't tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so, I mean, like, what, like one, of the, one of the easiest ways that I heard, I've kind of heard it explained recently is... You, it was through the CrossFit level world course. They they had a really good breakdown of, of kind of what fitness is and how it is and, and how it works. And and you know this isn't the culty side of CrossFit that can be a little bit weird. This is just like what is fitness and why are you there? And and the way they kind of broke it down that I thought was like quite interesting is that they're saying like it's just about being able to do or maintain the same level of fitness for longer over and over time for your life. And um, when you're, if 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 you don't use something, you generally use it. So, as an example, if you've not been swimming for a long time, and getting to swimming point, you go for a swim. You hurt in places that you you didn't even know existed yeah. Yeah. because you're 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 using muscles that you don't normally use walking around. So you might only be swimming at the same speed you're walking. And in, in, but that is, you're not using those muscles in the same capacity. And, and it's like, it's a bizarre feeling because you don't necessarily feel you've done anything particularly strenuous, but you're like, oh, that is, that's really sore. And, and you've, you, when you're doing activity or exercise, you, they, the way that they broke it down is you've got kind of three types. You've got weightlifting, Mm. metabolic conditioning and gymnastics right and but what that how that means is your weightlifting is anything anything you do that you pick up that's an external object that's your weight and and so weightlifting it like exactly what you said isn't about being lifting an olympic barbell that's two times your body weight and putting it over your head weightlifting could be carrying your two bags of shopping yeah. back to the car. Yeah. That's your weight. Mm. And so we need to carry shopping. Mm. Like you don't, no one wants to be that person that's in the seventies or whatever with the, with the shopping trolley that's being dragged behind them, mm. you know, the little tartan yeah. golf cart. Yeah. We want to avoid that for as long as we can. None of us 
want to be the person in the stairs, going up the stairs. We want to be walking up the stairs. So that's your gymnastics. That ability to step high and push your body and walk up the stairs. Like, you know, so that's, not, not, not it's not, yeah, you're not, you're not swinging on <laughs> rings doing tricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's your, like you say, the, the ex- probably the most beneficial exercise like that you know you've got in the world is your burpee because mm-hmm. like you say you want to be able to get up off the floor yeah. like, like yeah. You, you in a squat what's a squat you want to be able to stand up from a chair mm-hmm. without having to use your arms you, you push your whole body weight forward you know we ultimately old age is going to catch us all at some point yeah, yeah, yeah. but there are people out there that are in their seventies, in their eighties, living life better than some people nowadays are living it in their twenties. Mm-hmm. And the longer we can delay it, the better. The better our quality of life is going to be. So, what you're, what we, what you're trying to do, what anyone should be trying to do, regardless of what they're doing, is trying to carry that on into later life, carry on the like that exercise. And that exercise, like I say, it's not about smashing big barbells. It's like, right, I've got to respect my age. So I don't want to get injured for a first thing. So I don't need to be doing maximal lifts. I don't need to be doing really heavy work. I don't need to be grinding myself into the ground because that's not my aim for 90% of the population, you know. So, so... but that doesn't mean that you're not going to lift any weight. might just mean that, okay, I don't need to do a double body weight back squat. But if I can do 10 at my body weight... I am delighted to announce that the Midlife Reshape Academy has launched. Now, this is a membership and online learning and community option for those of you who want to embark on your own midlife reshape journey. It's a longer term, more sustainable approach, which really is the way to go when building your health back up and shedding those pounds and getting your midlife health back on track for midlife and beyond. The Academy will support you with programs of videos, audios and ebooks, and other supporting resources and courses, Q&A support from me and the chance to be part of the restless midlife community. Like-minded people who share similar goals and ambitions. If you're feeling like your health has drifted and you're not in the shape you want to be and want to be get back to feeling more comfortable in your own skin, then hop over to midliferesheape.com forward slash academy and find out how you can get underway with your own health uh, ambitions and get your weight back on track for the long run. The pre-launch list offer has expired, but I am offering an early adopter discount to the membership, which will be expiring soon. So catch that if you want to get on track now, visit midliferesheape.com forward slash academy. If I can... If I can walk along carrying, you know, how how heavy is my bit heaviest bag of shopping going to be? Well, I've got I've got three kilos of chicken in there, and I've got a couple of pots of yogurt, so it might be ten kilos. So, and I have to carry it to the car, which is a hundred meters away. And I've got two hands. So, if I can do that, I'm, that's kind of all I really need to be able to do. So, in my training world, I'm going to do a little bit more than that. So that I know that as I decline through life's, you know, natural decline, that I'm cl- I'm closer, and that disparity goes like you know less and less and less, and then, then and then like I say, those gymnastics movements, all gymnastics means is body weight movement, you know. Right. So your your gymnastics and air squat, really, where you want to be is in a position where when you're 
75. Can you still do an air squat to the depth of your sofa? Uh, pretty good if you can, you know what I mean? That's a, that's a pretty good aim and objective. And um, so I think that's where, like, but if we, if we stop doing those things early, and, we, you know, at the age of 50, we can't do a bodyweight squat down to the depth of our hip, I mean, down to the depth of our knees, then we definitely aren't going to be doing one when we're 70. Mm. So if we stop doing these things and we stop doing these movements, that's when it goes. So it's about holding on to them for longer. Mm. And then um, in terms of, like you say, the, the, the benefits of weightlifting, it, like it's not just about strengthening those muscles and making the muscles m- m- like more efficient. The weightlifting also has a big impact on things like bone density. Right. Um, so particularly in like females, um, post, post-menopause, getting into older age, women are a lot more prone to osteoporosis, um, brittle bones and stuff like that. And yes, to an extent, taking supplements and things like that, like magnesium and, and calcium and all those sorts of things is a help. But resistance training is proven over numerous studies over years resistance training weight lifting that's that's not i'm not talking about going and smashing barbells but doing stuff that includes lifting an external object increases that bone density yeah. reduces the chance of osteoporosis um and so people tend to shy away from these things because like you say you hear the word gymnastics what's your initial thought oh i've got to go and do handstand walks and and yeah and hang from Olympic rings. That, so that word becomes an intimidating word. Weightlifting, if I say to you, right, Dave, we're going to go and do some weightlifting, what's the first thing that comes into your head? Probably the Olympics, probably doing clean and jerks and snatches. Um, and then same when I say to you, metabolic conditioning, you're probably going, oh, God, he's going to make me go on the assault bike. You know, and, and it's like, all of those things are like, they, they frighten us. But all those words mean weightlifting is lifting an external object. Gymnastics is a body weight movement. And metabolic conditioning is moving uh, intensity for a period of time. Right. Yeah. Amazing your metabolism. And, and, but people don't look at them that way. People, like, people go, oh, I don't want to lift weights because it's going to make me massive. Yeah. yeah. I'm a prime example. You can lift as many weights as I can lift as many weights as I want. And I'm never going to look like Ronnie Coleman, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and then in turn, you get like some of the lads in, in our gym and they're going to lift weights and they're going to get big. They're, like, that's how it is. But particularly with females, you're not going to get big because you didn't produce testosterone. So the first thing that women, women generally, you know, there's always exceptions to anything. So if I ever say anything that's a generalization, I know that there's someone out there who this isn't applicable to. But generally, women go, oh, I don't want to lift weights because I'm going to get big. Right. And it's like, you're not, because you're not producing the testosterone right. that's going to cause you to do that. Um, I think, you know, if we look at you know, members of our gym, Lucy, prob- Lucy is probably pound for pound stronger than me. Right. But she's going to be probably 15 or 16 kilos less than me in body weight, you know. Um, I'm not even pound for pound stronger than me. She is stronger than me in certain, in certain aspects. But she's, she's still 15 or 16 kilos lighter than me. Mm. So pound for pound, she's much stronger than me. 
and she has a much better weightlifter and lifts heavier weights. But she ain't going to get big because she ain't producing testosterone, which you need in order to really gain muscle. Yeah. There's a couple of things there. I mean, like one of the things, one of my um, one podcast I listened to, like The Drive by Peter Atiyah, Dr. Peter Atiyah, and he's really good because he's really in-depth into the science of it. He talks, he's, he's developed this concept of the centenarian Olympics. Right. And what, what he talks about is, it's not about lifespan, it's about health span. Yeah. And for me, that makes so much sense. And it's kind of what we're talking about here. So it's, you know, we could live till God knows when, God willing, whatever, but what's the health and the quality like? And there's some factors that are out of my control, genetics, past mistakes, past lapses, what are, you know, the lifestyle I've lived. Yeah. But there's a lot that is within my control. And one of the things I want to try to do is, as I said, born, Rosie was born 45, uh, but I was low fitness because I let things go. At 66, when she turns 21, I want to be fit enough to sort of swing around and uh, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing um, and be fitter at that point. And, you know, it, it isn't just about combating the decline. It's about picking back up where I yeah, yeah. might have left off in the past, but knowing it's an incremental journey. Yeah, yeah. And you're right, not being intimidated by those names. I think that's a really good point because um, that's when you can self-defeat, your ego can get in the way, or you can say, well, that's not for me. And actually, like you say, with resistance training in particular, um, I, I, just as a thought, I've got Jen Wilson coming on in a, hopefully in a few weeks' time. Um, she's a, a fitness trainer who specialises working with uh, menopausal, postmenopausal women for that very reason with a resistance trainer because yeah. resistance training is such a powerful um, support. Yeah. You know, that particular with things like bone density, but it's yeah. a really, really powerful bit. So I'm going to pick her brains about that. It's really, it really, that would be really useful because, like, I mean, this is one of the things about resistance training as well that people, you know, you don't see. You lose weight through doing exercise. Mm. And this is one of the things I touched on earlier. When you, if you go out for a jog at a steady state, your heart rate's relatively low. Until you've been doing that for probably 20, 25 minutes, you're not really achieving a great deal because mm. a lot of what you achieve is due to the intensity of what you do. So the amount of power that you expend is usually where the benefit comes. So with resistance training, and this is where a lot of people fall into a pit, and me and, me and John Neal were talking about the other day, you can achieve the same amount of work in various different times right. in terms of how much power and how much you exert in terms of energy. So when you, if, I, if I say to you, right, Dave, your burpees, so doing, you're doing 60 a day every day until you're 60. If you do those 60 burpees once every, like one burpee every minute for an hour, and it takes you an hour, mm. all right? You've completed that exercise. But if I said to you, right, Dave, we're going to do one burpee every 10 seconds, mm. <laughs> like for 60 rounds, the intensity is a lot different. Mm. Which... What's going to happen if we take that and we say, right, Dave, you're just going to do 60 burpees as fast as you physically can. How long is it going to take you? If you said, if you said you could maintain, I mean, how long does it take you normally? Well, I tend to break them up into sets and I vary the sets and sometimes yeah. add a bar in to jump over and stuff. But like if on the times I've tested, it's, oh God, is it around five minute mark? To do yeah, 60, that would, something like that. That would probably be about right because yeah. you, you, you've got five seconds. Or, five seconds. Yeah. But you 
all of those different things, you're gonna you're if you're doing them faster, you're gonna have to spend more energy trying to do it. And then when you're finished, your body's like recovering. So if you it's like if you're doing like weight training, you're doing that work for a shorter period of time. But that process that we talked about of the recovery, that's requiring energy. Right. So when you finish doing that work and you're lying down and you're like your heart rate is still high, your body's recovering, that's going to pull your heart rate up through that whole recovery process you're, you're working to make to, for your body to work. Whereas if you go and do 20, 25, 30 minutes on the cross trainer, you come off that cross trainer, your heart rate comes down, you don't, you've not done kind of the damage. So that, you know, you've had that 10 minute window on the cross trainer where you've been kind of metabolizing. Mm and burning whatever but when you finish you, your body stops whereas with that weight training right from kind of once you're onto that third set and you've maybe only been doing it for five minutes your body's like mm. you, you, you're working your body your whole system's working your heart rate's elevated the same as it was doing that that run and you're 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 doing it for that time. So five minutes into that 25-minute window, you're already in that kind of energy-burning state that mm. you would be on the treadmill that's taking you 20 minutes to get to. And then that recovery process takes longer. So that that 25 minutes of work weightlifting compared to that 25 minutes of work on the treadmill, you're getting a lot more from down the line. And that's something that it's a really big pitfall that people fall into. That's why you, you, see, you, know, you see people going to a gym and spending an hour on the cross trainer, the recumbent bike, and they're there for an hour and a half and and they haven't expended the same amount of energy that probably you expended this morning, you know, in that 45-minute window because never the heart rate never got elevated that high there. The work the work done is no, not as high. That, that power output, you know, like you... Because you, that's what all you're doing is you're generating power generating force you're using energy in order to do that so if you're pedaling if you're on a cross trainer you might do 2,000 steps or whatever it might be but you're not really doing that much work in that time period whereas if I say you went Dave we're going to do 10,000 steps on the cross trainer Mm. but how are you going to do it you're going to do 200 have a 5 second rest 200 have a 5 second rest you've done the same amount of work but a lot more Mm the intensity is what makes it. So you've probably heard of like Tabata as a training pro- yeah. before. And if you've ever done it and done it properly, it's four minutes of vomit inducing in hell, you know? Yeah. Um, and you're getting, the, like you can go on the internet and like say, we have a look, the, the energy used in that four minute window compared to a 30 minute steady state cardio session You've done four minutes and you've effectively achieved the same amount mm. as you would have in 30 minutes. So it's interesting that, isn't it? Because um, <clears throat> the, the, one of the things with working with um, a number of people that it, it, sort of starting on the journey, um, and I guess this is where it brings in my the, the idea of the four levers of sort of weight management, energy management, whatever you want to call it. But the, the idea that when you're starting, 
you've got to, you've got to, it's got to be meet where you are, and you've yeah. got to make those incremental steps. And what can often be a useful way is is people start getting moving, you know, walk and perhaps even walk run, you know, the yeah, couch yeah. to five k yeah. type thing. Um, and they can be really useful. Oh, massive. Obviously, there's time because some, some people might benefit from that. But I know when I spoke to John Lee and, and Mick when they were here for the podcast, uh, they do a lot of work with people who are, you know, the, or had in the past and, and still sort of carry on now working with people who have maybe been almost prescribed health and fitness. And they work with people who maybe post-transplant, you know, need to lose a lot of weight for a serious operation, that kind of thing, you know. And, you know, the the the... the the aging kind of uh, issues around that, that they they have different approaches. So it isn't just about go for a walk and do that. But I can see that for many, that's the, that's the it's kind of meeting somebody where they're at and what works for them. So getting out for a walk, uh, particularly when I'm sort of working with people with burnout as well, it's kind of that fine juggle between they're emotionally frazzled and burnt out, psychologically burnt out, physically burnt out because they, they put such a lot in, but want to make a change. So how do we do that without adding to the burnout? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know that's the juggle. So it's kind of for me pulling on that lever gently, the lever right. of energy management, if you like, the energy out, the expenditure, getting us to a place where perhaps we can think about things like resistance training. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'm not a fitness professional, so for me it's relying on the likes of you yeah. as to when you might start to introduce or think about that. <clears throat> well, like I think you touched on it earlier that you've got to start at what someone wants, what someone likes. Right. So, you right. know, if someone's done something in the past that yeah. they've enjoyed, yeah. that's where you start. Right. So, for example, if someone likes swimming, mm. that m- might be the place to start. If, like, if they, if they, right, what did you enjoy? I used to enjoy doing whatever it might be. Is there an option somewhere? To involve that so it might be that they they played tennis as a kid mm. and they enjoyed it and they're like oh it is i'd quite like to try a tennis then all right how could we how could you get that into your life and it might be a taste of right could i get a tennis lesson with someone there's like you know various different tennis clubs and and start with something that someone enjoyed um might have been someone who used to like a bit of walking out in the mm-hmm. countryside, all right, and now they're at a stage where they, they I mean, I worked with a guy once, um, very overweight, um, and he used to, that's what he used to enjoy was hiking, and he'd, he'd had a bit of a wake up call, he'd been to, he'd been out on um, away with some work colleagues, and they'd been somewhere, and they were like, right, we're going to walk up. Street and it was a bit like Great uh, Dean Street on in Newcastle, yeah. And he got halfway up there, bit of yeah, clay, yeah. but not too, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. He was like, he got about halfway up, and he was like, I can't get to the top of this hill. And he was like, Crikey, like, like, what, like, what have I done to myself? And that was his way to, yeah, yeah, like, um, and, and so for him, it was like, Well, you want to lose weight, but what, do, why do you want to lose weight? Well, I'm a little bit embarrassed about the size I've got to. Um, I couldn't walk up this street, and I want to be able to do those things. And I used to like walking, and I'd like to get back to it. But the idea of it now, after walking up that street and realizing I can't do it, there's no way I could like walk to Sycamore Gap or something like that. And I was like, right, okay, well, there's. So, okay, 
you're not in a position now where you can go and walk to Sycamore Gap. However, there's some nice places around that you can have a little walk in, Harrington Country Park, the Wetland Centre, whatever it might be, somewhere you can go for a, a walk and it's, you know, pretty much flat. Mm. And start start there, you know, like, that. that's your end goal, is getting out to being able yeah. to do proper walks, you know, with your backpack and all those sorts of things. But you're not there. But what's going to get you there? For a start, I start walking, mm. you know. And then, like you say, it's, it's about adding those little pushes in. I think on the last podcast I might have talked about when I had a guy who... Um, you know, kind of sim- similar in your situation, but on a small time frame, he, he wanted to be able to, you know, kind of dance at his daughter's wedding and, yeah. and his wed- the wedding was like eight, you know, six months away or something like that. And then the first session we did, we walked around the back of the gym um, and back. And it was, I think, like, right, you are, we're going to walk for two minutes and we're going to walk back, but we've got to walk back faster and we did out there. So we're going to just take this leisurely stroll for two minutes, see how far we're at, and then we're just going to walk back, and you've got to get back in under two minutes. And he was absolutely goosed, you know, like because he'd, like you say, just let himself go. But that's the that's kind of the key, is like, ha- you have to have like a an end goal or vision of where you mm-hmm. want to be, what you want to do, and go like you say that path of least resistance to there if it if you're not ever going to go to a gym didn't go to a gym if it's not for you don't go but but the world of social media the world of youtube pretty much anything you ever want to do is on youtube How there's a point and like you know this is this will maybe come over a little bit controversial and some some people might disagree but there is there is a final point that you come to where the person has to do something. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah, you can have all of the help in the world to do absolutely anything, but you at the bottom of it have to want to do that, yeah. whatever it is, and 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 not not have to want to do it. That's different. It's you have to do it. Mm. Like you have to get yourself out of that bed or out of that door or into that gym or into that swimming pool or whatever yeah. you have to do it but it's those baby steps of how you do yeah. it and and that's that like you say that finding that time in that person when to go next but it but often it's about what's the option and if yeah. you can help someone with those options yeah that can be that can be quite a big test. I think I think that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, we it, it's it's those moments in life. I mean, I've caught myself several times in life where I think, you know, I turn around and think, what's happened the last few years? And you know, I've got so engrossed in life. Um, do you know what I mean? And there's nobody to blame. It's not a blame game. It's just that's the way it is. But there's points where there's little waking ups or little realizations or big realizations. You know, you talk about walking up a hill or something like that. Um, it was seeing Rosie and thinking, I'm 45. If I'm carrying on the way I'm going, so that realization started me. Now, the this is the challenge. I think the old me 
And, you know, I still fight these old habits. would have been all or nothing, right? Let's get up for a five-mile run. You know, from cold start, come back shin splints, doing the same, uh-huh. and I'm, I'm, I'm wrote off, and I, it ends up nothing. Whereas, because of past lessons learned, and it, it's about what are those small steps. And and the way you describe it is kind of the way I, I look at it is, what's my long-term goal, vision? Well, I just would like to be, six, God, but I'm 66, fitter than whatever, and, and beyond. But I've, that's too far, fluffy in the distance. Yeah. It's a lovely thing to work towards. But what what now? So coming down to, do you know what? I don't get my first pull up. Yeah. Or Operation D move. You know, yeah, yeah. They're, they're more tangible. Yeah. And more right. I, I I can now work out what I need to do. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. we need a bit of guidance. So just, you know, some advice. Pick brains. Look on YouTube. Whatever. Um. But that's the point. But ultimately, and I think this is the whole thing about the coaching side is, it's not me telling or me directing or whatever. It's about you've got the power. Yeah. Remember that because we, we, I think that one of the biggest things is that we, we forget that we have that or we lose confidence. We get beaten down by our life, and the biggest power of this journey is realizing you can, and it's it's up to you. Yeah. It's not a negative. It's up to you. It's a brilliant thing. That's positive, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah. You know, and I can make choices. I own my mistakes. I own drifting off, forgetting to do this, losing me way there. Having too much to drink one night. You know, like I own that. But because of that, I also own the choices and the successes as well. Yeah, yeah, and so, it, yeah. It's like, um, you know, one of the ways that I kind of look at being a coach is if me and you are driving down the road and you're driving, you're in charge of the vehicle. I'm your map reader. Yeah. And I'm I'm there and I might say, Dave, I think we should go through this way and that way. When you first start off in any sort of journey and any sort of activity, you might need more input from me. Yeah, I might yeah, say, yeah. you know, first time I drove to your house, I'd follow the sat nav yeah. in its in its entirety. Yeah. But then I don't know where Dave lives now, so I'm not gonna follow the sat nav. I'm gonna drive to Dave's house. Mm. And it's kind of a bit like that. So when you're when we're driving along, I say, Dave, right, well, I think you wanna turn right here, and then you wanna turn left here, and then you sort of go, well, actually, Mark, I think I need to go right here because I think this is going to be slightly faster, whatever it might be. That's like, that's the coach. But ultimately, it's you pushing the pedals. Yeah. It's you turning the wheel. You're doing that. And if, if you don't put your foot on the accelerator, that car ain't going to go anywhere. It doesn't matter how good I am at map reading. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I know the exact route. I know everything. I can sort of, I'm right, this is where we're going. We're going here. We're going to Newcastle City Centre. Going there today. If you don't put your foot on that accelerator pedal... We ain't going anywhere, yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 I think that's quite powerful. And then what you're what you're hoping to achieve as a coach, and this is this is why I'm a terrible businessman, is because I want you to go off and do it on your own. Yeah, yeah. and right, and and that's what ultimately what I want you to do. And me as a fitness coach, that's what I want you to do. So if I'm training someone, I have an same policy of I charge a lot of money with the intention that you're with me for a very short period of time, you get everything that you want from it, mm. and then you're off into your wide world. Because if you're coming back to me every week and, and stuff yeah. like that, I would rather you came to me and did 10 weeks or 12 weeks towards a certain goal, and then, right, go and join this gym or that gym or that. You will enjoy that. Go and do that. Like... Stop spending your your money on on me because you're there. Obviously, with kind of life coaching and counselling and therapy and all that sort of thing, 
that has to go on longer because you're dealing with like bigger demons. But ultimately, what we're trying, we're all trying to coach someone mm. to to yeah. be that to be the best the best version of themselves. And it's like they can't do that if I'm telling them what to do. Like if you look at like American football, it's very autocratic and and stuff like that. And it's learning types and exactly how you do things and you do this and you do that and do the other. But then you look at like how the Brazilians teach football. It's like just going to hit that ball around yeah. there. You and I'm pretty good at that. Like you know, that's like two different ways of kind of doing it. But it's um, like you say, you're you're the map reader. Mm. And you're trying to give someone that judge, but they've got to they've got to make the, those choices and as they go. I think you're right. I, I love that analogy because I often say it like the coach is, is like that. But ultimately, ethically, but also the right you know about the right thing to do, everything is to make yourself redundant. Yeah, yeah. Um, or potentially somebody says like you know CrossFit. Right, I've achieved that goal. It's not well, next right, one. Yeah, it's the next exactly. one, and I still need you because I'm like, I'm looking at the next yeah. goal, whatever. But I think the the idea of the coaches, right? You don't need that navigator eventually. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. we're going to go on a massive trek. Let's have some fun. Yeah, yeah, eventually. yeah. Exactly. But you're I also there, look at this. You become at the end. You almost become like a a tool of vessel for them. Yeah, yeah. And they seek you out for that. Let's say that next yeah. step of or somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they're looking for that next. What's next? Yeah. Like, that that's really important, I think. Yeah. Like the the, the I think the it's the same thing because again, if you take that analogy with the, the therapist, I often think of the therapist, their role, and this is how it differentiates from the coach. Because the life coach, the coach, fitness coach, is that navigator who can ha- help you and gradually say less and let the, you know empower that person to be more confident. The therapist, there's elements of that, but I think the therapist is like replacing your spark plugs. They're yeah, the people yeah, that yeah, help you yeah. when the, the thing is not able to go or there's something that's yeah, getting away. Yeah. You know? um, and it's very rough and ready thing, but you know, the, we need somebody under the hood sometimes to help us under that. Yeah, yeah. We sometimes need a coach and navigate it. But ultimately, you know, it's our life. Yeah, We're yeah. the one in the driving seat. Let's make the most of it. Let's have an adventure. Um, so I think that ties very much like it's a great metaphor and it ties very much into the philosophy really of the midlife, restless midlife or the advent your life. That kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Because the whole point of fitness, you know, A, I love it. I've come to love it. I don't, I don't know if I ever loved it in the initial. I, I suppose I've always, like, had little things in the past, but I've come to love it. But it isn't just about that. It's about so I can live my life, have energy, walk up the stairs, bounce up the stairs, you know, that kind of thing, and hopefully have that health span. Well, yeah, it's all about that health span. That is the, the great, the best way of looking at it. Like, so thanks for your time. Pleasure. Been brilliant. And uh, as always, and no doubt questions there's probably some questions i forgot to ask you Ah, you know time 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 is time so thanks very much for your time mate pleasure great and for listeners uh thank you very much for listening any questions dave at restlessmidlife.com don't forget you can add a sub um review and subscribe etc um and there's a call button directly there at the end of the podcast take care for now thank you for listening you'll find all show notes links and resources mentioned at midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast and it would mean so much if you could spread the word to your fellow restless midlifers share the show and links and if you aren't already subscribe to the show in your podcast feed of choice and one more thing if you enjoy the show it would be great if you could rate it by visiting midlifereshape.com forward slash review It would mean so much, and I may even give you a shout-out in return. And a quick final thanks to production assistant Karen North of North BA and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers at musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget you really can reshape your midlife health and rekindle that spirit of adventure.